0: Brought to you by the 2012 Toyota Camry. Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there. Yes, and... Our story starts long, long ago when a single-celled organism developed into the first web browser. <laughs> no, um,
1: Yeah, so, you know, uh, there's this guy, Tim Berners-Lee, works over at CERN. I
0: feel, like, I feel like I've heard his name.
1: Dude came up with this neat way of displaying information using a, a network connections, uh, which would eventually blossom into the beautiful flower we know as the World Wide Web. Although we probably don't call it that so frequently anymore. Although if you if you read like the stuff from the uh, the early '90s, World Wide Web and Information Superhighway, what, that, oh, they, they seem to be required in every single news story.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> we've started a little loopy here, but yeah, it, it's it's clear, and we haven't we we haven't mentioned it in quite some time, but uh, we have mentioned it on m- multiple occasions that the internet is basically uh, a medium of. Uh, communication between computers right it's it 's a network of networks. Uh, your computer hooks up to the internet and you can send information in a number of different ways. Uh, a lot of them are are passe now um, or or less used than others. I mean people like uh, Gopher are using uh, transmission protocols like gopher and and waste. Um, you know, people just don't do that very much. Usenet is less used than it used to be. Um, still got email people, is certainly used quite a yeah, bit. And still
1: um, quite a few people are using file transfer protocol.
0: Sure, um, sure. In, um, the different instant messenger protocols, they, they, none of these are the World Wide Web. Um, uh, the World Wide Web basically, uh, puts a very public, pretty face on it. Uh, yeah. in some cases less than pretty especially if you don't like crawling graphics and and MIDI files
1: no but this is the old you know this is the the user friendly sure. version of what the internet has to offer for a lot of people they thought uh, the world wide Web and internet were synonymous not really the case but we wanted to talk about a uh, particular browser and a company uh, an organization that um, that helped bring this browser about and uh, how it kind of um became a power player. Uh, actually, it was the power player for a while, or an ancestor of it was, and then yeah. it f- faded to obscurity and rose from the ashes, but we'll get <laughs> into that. So we're talking about Firefox in general, but to, to understand Firefox and the story behind Firefox, you actually have to go back quite a ways, well before there was ever any sort of Firefox web browser. So yeah. all the way back to 1992, and at, in 92, we're talking the earliest days of the web at this point. And it seems kind of crazy. I mean, we're recording this in twenty twelve,
0: so that's you know just twenty years. Yeah, but um, uh, a fellow by the name of
1: Mark Andreessen, yep, uh, basically this was this was a college project. Yeah, he and um, Eric Bina or, mm-hmm. or Bina, I am not sure how to say his last name. Yeah, they began to work on a browser for uh, X Windows on Unix computers, mm-hmm. and uh, this was something they, they decided to start working on this after being shown the um, the. The work that Tim Berners-Lee had been doing over at CERN. And they said, wow, well, you know, we should start creating a, a browser that could act, uh, access this sort of stuff. And so they worked together and they created something they called Mosaic, mm-hmm. which was uh, one of the earliest web browsers. Yeah. And it
0: really, it, it sort of helped popularize the World Wide Web for a lot of people. Um, for a couple of reasons one it was it was not, it was reasonably nice to look at uh it was easy to use um but uh, it was also free yep uh because it was well it was again a college project so it was one of those things that was just offered now you kind of had to know where to find it um you kind of had to know have an idea what the world wide web was and it, at that point it was uh sort of a hobbyist thing um you know i i used when i used uh bitnet Back in, in the days pr- immediately preceding that, I was using um, basically email, um, using chat, but uh, I really had no idea what the web was. And uh, I started doing some reading around around that time and said, oh, this, this looks kind of interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a, a web client for my Amiga at the time, um, but I, I started using Macs around that time and, and uh, found out that there was a version of Mosaic available for it, which I, uh, I actually purchased with a book. Uh, that told you how to use the darn thing, and it came on a floppy disk. And so I loaded Mosaic from uh, from, from that and got started on the web.
1: Yeah, uh, some interesting connections we, wow. should, we should talk about. I mean, you're going to find out that there are a lot of connections to various web browsers out there just coming from Mosaic. One of the earliest and, to me, really interesting ones is that in uh, 1994, a company called Spyglass Incorporated licensed uh, the Mosaic browser. Yeah. And they began to develop, uh, its own code base, uh, based on Mosaic. And then they licensed that code base to Microsoft. And that would become part of what would eventually be Internet Explorer. Mm -hmm. So Mosaic and Internet Explorer share some, uh, some code when you go way, 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 way back. Um, and it's, uh, you know, that's, to me, that's a very interesting thing. especially when you look later on down the timeline of the, the the evolution of browsers out there on the market.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, of course, that that's less of a direct lineage than what uh, Andreessen and company would do uh, when they decided to, to go ahead and make some money off of this thing, uh, yep. which was the founding of the company Netscape.
1: Yeah, first it was called Mosaic Communications, but they – renamed it before too long to Netscape Communications, Uh, they being Mark Andreessen and Jim Clark. Uh, This was in 1994, so same year that Spyglass Incorporated is uh, licensing Mosaic itself. Uh, And they come up with the the browser Netscape, and Mm -hmm. uh, this was a a pay-for browser. You would buy the browser. I bought a copy off
0: the shelf, shrink-wrapped copy of Netscape 2. And it became a uh, communicator.
1: It actually became quite popular, and uh, there navigator, were navigator. I'm sorry, navigator. Yeah, there were a lot of lot of. Do you want to go back? No, no. no. Well, okay, we'll just keep going then. All but, right. Hey, guess what, guys? Sometimes we go back. Anyway, uh, Netscape was the. It's very rare, though. I remember. Uh, <laughs> I remember the
0: uh, uh, the little window and the and the right upper right part of the screen uh-huh. which you know if you've used the web for a while, you remember the the little thing that would tell you that it's actually working, yeah, um, yeah which like, wasn't like, the the you know thing from left to right in the uh the navigation bar, yeah yeah uh, the address bar, I guess uh but yeah, back in Netscape Navigator days, they had an old ship's wheel that was so nice, <laughs>
1: we call that the helm anyway the, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 browser became popular it. Kind of um well, it introduced an a concept called extensions, which most people are familiar with these days, extensions extend the features of a browser by uh, letting you uh, install some new code that gives it some added functionality. Mm-hmm. Um, this gave websites uh, uh, or people who are developing websites the uh, ability to include stuff that wasn't natively supported by uh, HTML. Because the browsers were able to interpret the new code and and, uh, render it properly on the screen so that you're getting the experience that the people wanted you to have, Mm -hmm. the people being the web developers. And uh, around that time, the early 90s, Netscape was doing really well. In fact, it might have had a market share as high as 80%. Of the browser market at that time, and that's pretty remarkable considering that it was a pay-for browser.
0: Yeah, yeah. At that point, uh, Netscape was was riding very high in the market. Um, you know, of course, they, they were competing with uh, online service providers like AOL and CompuServe, um, but the the web basically was was Netscape's to lose.
1: Yeah, and um, and boy, 1995. Yeah, the beginning of the end. Well, yeah.
0: Now, see, when you're talking about the the possibility of paying, you know, twenty, thirty, forty dollars <laughs> for your web browser versus a competitor that comes along and offers one for free, yeah, um, that's freely downloadable and has the muscle of somebody really big behind it, like oh, I don't know, Microsoft,
1: like Steve Ballmer. It's a big guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, 95, Microsoft launches Windows 95, and it has uh, the web browser that's included with Windows 95 is Internet Explorer. Now, remember, Internet Explorer was built partially upon that code base from Mosaic, uh, and it was, as Chris was saying, free of charge. You could download it freely and use it yourself, so you didn't have to buy a copy of a browser
0: And it even came with Windows 95, so So you you, didn't even have to bother with Netscape. Right,
1: right. If you you bought a new computer, then you had Internet Explorer built right in there. In fact, that ended up causing some problems. Uh, There were some issues about Internet Explorer being uh, tied so tightly into the the operating system experience on Windows that it uh, brought up some antitrust issues for Microsoft down the line. But that's really more of a... Internet Explorer story, not so much a Firefox story. So, right. let's go back over to what's going on. Uh, it took some time, but Internet Explorer, even though it was free, I mean, it did not immediately take over. Like it wasn't, it wasn't an overnight, you know, turnaround. It took about four generations of Internet Explorer for it to catch up to Netscape. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Netscape uh, branched out.
0: They did more than just uh, use Netscape Navigator. They also wanted to create a, an entire suite of tools uh, that you would use uh, for email and for um, uh, Usenet and some of the other stuff. And they they built a larger suite. So you, you had an option. You could go with Netscape Navigator if you just wanted to use the web or a suite that they called Netscape Communicator, mm-hmm. uh, which had the uh, greater functionality. Unfortunately, in doing this, they gradually – and this is common – uh you know this happened in, to Microsoft and many many others uh the code gradually became more bloated right uh, more resource intensive if you will um and made load times slower made things more difficult so now you have a you know a a heavyweight internet heavyweight and in netscape going against uh the the net newbie microsoft but microsoft has the leaner more integrated browser in this case And
1: again, free. So yeah, by that fourth generation of uh, Internet Explorer, we started to see things switch around to the point where it was, uh, it was clear that Internet Explorer was going to run away with it. So in 1998, uh, Netscape Communications made a big decision. Yes. They decided that they would, uh, offer Netscape, the Netscape browser for free. Yes. And that they would freely, uh, offer up the, the um, the source code so that it would become an open source project. So this, in other words, you could be a developer and go in and you could tweak Netscape and have your own version of Netscape and under the right, you know, you had to follow certain rules, but you could do that. Uh, the community very quickly became huge and uh, there was a new name for this project. It was called the Mozilla Project.
0: yes. Now, uh, I understand that the, the name for Mozilla uh, came from, uh, it's sort of a uh, fudged portmanteau, which is a combination of words uh, for mosaic killer or mosaic killer. No.
1: Um,
0: of course, that uh, took on the form of a dinosaur because it makes people, the, the name Mozilla makes people think of Godzilla. Right. Um, so they, of course, didn't want, uh, I'm sure, copyright infringement. So Mozilla's dinosaur monster lizard giant thing is uh, red instead of green and really bears no resemblance to uh uh to Godzilla although the uh, it's
1: more like a Tyrannosaurus or maybe a velociraptor
0: yes now there there have also been multiple incarnations of the design for the critter right. but um yeah so it that looks nothing like a firefox the mozilla, we'll get into that
1: now. right the mozilla project launches in 1998 but it would not be until 2002 before they released mozilla 1.0 and this was a browser that included email client functionality among other features uh, but at that point internet explorer was dominant in the market it had a 90% market share so we're talking about a time where you know we went from uh uh 94 or so where uh netscape had about 80% market share right to 2002 where ie now has 90% of the market share so this is a good thing to point out things change Really? Yeah, market share can change dramatically from one uh, from one decade to the next, or even in just the span of a few years. Uh, the reason why that's important to remember is that we always talk about market share as if it's the most important thing in the world. In yeah. some cases, like you know, talk about in smartphone adoption or whatever. Um, but it it's true that these things can change dramatically, and someone who's on top. And you would think, oh, this guy's gonna dominate the market forever, could very easily become and also ran in just a few years.
0: And everything is relative too. Um if I if I may step on a very small soapbox, it only has room for one bar of soap in it. Um but yeah, I mean people talk about the fill in the blank here killer. And you know, those long-term listeners will remember that I brought this up before. It drives me crazy when people talk about the the fill in the blank killer because uh, in just a few years, they'll be talking about whatever that was killer, right? And and in some cases, they don't kill so much as carve out a niche market and uh, and go for it. I mean, um, you know, in this case, uh, Internet Explorer would have been the uh, the Netscape killer, and in some cases, they did. Um, but. Uh, uh, Mozilla would come back and, and carve out its own space, and then Chrome came along years later. And it's you know that's it's sort of what's
1: going on right now at the time. Same as it ever was. Yeah. Same as it ever was. So, uh, um, oh, I'm, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, some community members of Mozilla. What's interesting is you've got the Mozilla project, you've got the Mozilla browser you still have people in the community who don't necessarily think that the way that the Mozilla browser is developing is the right way to go. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of having an open source community is that you don't – you don't, there's not necessarily just one path that you can take. You can have multiple paths to try and create the best browser experience possible. Yes. Some of those community members decided that there, was, there were some issues they had with Mozilla. One of them was that they, they felt that it was suffering from feature creep. Which is the same thing we were talking about with, uh. He's Netscape. scary,
0: man. That creature creep? creep?
1: Yeah, he turns into like Dracula and then, uh, Mummy and then the creature from the Black Lagoon. And I've been watching too much supernatural lately. <laughs> Just watched an, an episode last night that was about that. Anyway, no, the, the idea that, that they were, again, Mozilla was starting to become, in their mind, bloated yeah. the way Netscape had. And they did not really think that that was, uh, Something they should pursue. They thought that perhaps they should take the code and make something else out of it. So this group created a browser that they called Phoenix.
0: Mm-hmm. As in, Rising from the Ashes. Right. Now there were. The legendary there, bird that.
1: Yeah. rising yes, from the Ashes. Yes, the one that was featured heavily in the documentary series Harry Potter. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, uh the, which, Great. We, but it
0: is a fitting—it is a fitting image for this browser, which at one time had been Netscape. Right, so, sort of.
1: So Phoenix rises from the ashes, but also uh, tends to fall again because it turns out someone else has the name Phoenix, so they can't really use it. So they renamed it Firebird. That caused a problem because there was um, another uh, organization that used the word Firebird about uh, um, distributed software. So that was an issue. They ended up thinking, okay, 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 we'll name it something else. We'll call it uh, Firefox. Yeah, now Firefox uh, has the
0: benefit here of going with uh, the fire part at the beginning, um, but adds another very cool animal image in there. Now a Firefox isn't actually a fox it is in fact a red panda which in my opinion are really neat animals but you know um and actually uh, recently um the mozilla foundation has sponsored uh the uh, well-being of a couple red pandas in the knoxville tennessee zoo uh they even had a webcam up which had the little critters running around and playing
1: and sleeping uh,
0: and sleeping which, <laughs> which they always seem to be doing right as i tuned in oh look there's and Nothing they're settling, going on. settling
1: down for a nap. Yeah. Um. In 2003 was when Mozilla created the Mozilla Foundation, which is an independent nonprofit organization. It's mainly meant to manage the daily operations of the Mozilla project.
0: Yeah. And we didn't really touch on this, but uh, the remnants of Netscape were purchased by America Online. Yes. So AOL bought Netscape, but the Mozilla Foundation uh, has the ability to uh, to go off and do their own thing here so they have
1: yeah yeah so 2004 was when Firefox 1.0 was released and uh, it became a very popular uh, browser very quickly in less than a year they had over 100 million downloads so Firefox was quickly kind of viewed as the the alternative to Internet Explorer Yep. Uh, I I can hear all the Opera fans out there screaming at me, but you know, that's the popular the popular view was that Firefox if you didn't want to use Internet Explorer, you should use Firefox.
0: Yeah. Now I had actually been using Opera up until that point. Right. Um as I I specifically remember a friend of mine going, "Hey, you know, I know you like Opera, but you really should try this Firefox out." And I was kind of skeptical because I was one of the people who was cranky at Netscape for getting so darn bloated. Yeah, uh, I tried Netscape Communicator for a long time and it just drove me crazy. And I didn't like Internet Explorer for the Mac uh, very much. So uh, yeah, once once I tried it, I got hooked.
1: But yeah, I still guys, use Opera from time to time. Give you guys some reference: 2004. That's around the same time that uh, companies like MySpace and Facebook are starting to to make a name for themselves. Of course, at that point, Facebook is strictly a college only. Experience, right? Uh, but yeah, that's that gives you an idea of what's going on around that time. It would be two years before version 2.0 of Firefox came out. They would update. They they made lots of frequent updates to the the Firefox browser, but they were all very uh, incremental, without yes. major changes to the code. Point releases, you yeah. might say. So it wasn't until you – know, it was two years after it had debuted before 2.0 came out, and it was another two years when version 3.0 came out. So that was 2008. Uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up is it'll be interesting when we get to talk about what version is currently out in the wild right now as of the recording of this podcast. Right. But, um, but yeah, 2008 was when version 3.0 was released and Firefox hit 20% of the market share.
0: Now, um, I'd like to bring this up because, uh, the Mozilla Foundation does a lot more than just, uh, than just Firefox. And pandas. And pandas. Red pandas. They're so cute. Um, Uh, they also had split off some of the other code that was part of Communicator. For example, uh, Thunderbird, which is their email client, right. um, is uh, is sort of the uh, the version that um, that used to be the mail client. And there there was a unified, um, basically the the derivative of Communicator itself, the suite, which was called SeaMonkey. Um, and uh, they they released um, uh, early versions of that. Uh, Thunderbird 1.0 came out on December 7th, 2004, and um, uh, SeaMonkey 1.0 came out on January 30th, 2006. Now, both of these are probably not as in as much in the public eye. Thunderbird more so, but right. SeaMonkey certainly not as much as right. as either one of those two. Um, but they they still do work on those projects, and uh, over time. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that we mentioned them. But over time, Mozilla has brought Thunderbird up to the same – basically the same version system that uh, Firefox is on.
1: Right. Well, 2011, we have Firefox version 4.0 released. I remember that was a big deal. It was. The one that came out. And then – so between 2011 and today, uh, this being the end of November 2012 when we Mm -hmm. record this, um, they got busy. So – and this is Google's fault. We're kind seeing, of. seeing every couple of years we're seeing a new version of Firefox, a new a new version number, like yes. one to two, two to three, three to four. Uh, so you would expect that maybe the next you know version 5.0 of Firefox would probably come out in 2013 or so. Not the case. Uh, the Firefox operating system, or, or not operating system, but browser. We'll get to the operating system in a second is currently at version 17 mm-hmm. as of the recording of this podcast. So between 2011 and November 2012, we went from version 4 all the way up to 17. And actually, versions 18 and 19 are both in alpha testing right now. That is correct. And and if
0: you're interested, you can download those versions, even a nightly build if you want. Yeah. Your yeah. mileage may vary. Yeah.
1: Day by day, these browsers are changing. And uh, some of them may not be what we like to call... Stable, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, it but, just shows uh, shows the massive amounts of change that have come out over the last year.
0: Yep. Now, now what influenced that? It was Google with the Chrome browser, which came out. And again, um, Google has a lot of resources that it can uh, that it can give to the Google Chrome project, which itself is a derivative of Chromium. Um, but um, Google. Chrome came out and started updating very, very quickly. Yeah. And the, the the folks at the Mozilla Foundation realized that uh, in terms of new features being added, Chrome was outdoing Mozilla quite rapidly. So they decided to put themselves on a, on a rapid release cycle, too, which frustrated a lot of people because <laughs> uh, Firefox, more so than Chrome, has been the standard by which companies operate. Uh, Internet Explorer or, or Firefox um, – you know not safari not not opera not not chrome yep and um so they've they've been on not as on a scale that's not as fast as chrome but they did update uh start making updates more quickly and uh <laughs> much more quickly than they used to be and now they're on a sort of a cycle where they're releasing a couple uh maybe three updates a year
1: yeah it's um it, fast, pretty dramatic yeah to go from 4 to Seventeen have thirteen major releases um, within the span of like a year and a half, really. But um, the releases
0: seem to be on a tight, on a, on a more uh, level schedule yeah, now than yeah. they had.
1: Been. Yeah, they are playing catch up for quite some time. In uh, October fifth, two thousand twelve, they released the Firefox build that will that uh, can be used in the Windows eight user interface. That's that tiled interface that was formerly called Metro. Hmm. Um so that that came out toward the end of two thousand and twelve also they um they're working on a, a smartphone operating system yes that's kind of an interesting thing that, to build a, a an OS for uh, for phones to really get into that market I mean we're already talking about a market that's mainly being fought uh, by Google and Apple with Windows uh, trying to make uh, uh, Know uh, name for itself as well at that same time, and then other players like BlackBerry are um, trying to, you know, regroup, and some like Symbian are almost gone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, and and it's interesting too because, uh, like what Google is doing with its operating system, the Chrome OS, um, Firefox OS is also. Leaning heavily on web standards yeah. for its for its programming, so we're talking about uh, HTML5, the the n- newly proposed but not yet finalized version of of the hypertext markup language, and uh, a lot of the uh, Mozilla specific APIs, uh, application programming interfaces. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, these are, are plug and play uh, pieces of code that people can use to make them compatible, intercompatible. Um, Mozilla is basically saying, "Hey, look." We're open source, we're free, and, you know, we want to see if we can make inroads on people's smartphones, and, and people can use a, an, uh, Firefox OS simulator right now, uh, where you can actually give it a try. Actually, uh, the name for the simulator is, uh, R2D2B2G.
1: Uh, B2G, by the way, means boot to Gecko.
0: Yes, which was the original name. Gecko being the, the web interface that, uh, that (laughs) <laughs> um, or web engine that uh yeah. firefox is built on uh but yeah they they are a primarily web centric so operating so
1: where does r2d2 come from i don't
0: know i have no idea uh, so. probably just something they made up
1: it's weird because i would think those were not the droids i was looking for
0: entirely possible
1: anyway yeah so that that brings us up to date with what's going on with firefox uh it's a, it's, you know, I, I've used Firefox quite a bit in the past. Um, and it was, for a very long time, it was my browser of choice.
0: It, it's still my um, browser of choice.
1: Mine is Chrome.
0: I, I, I use Chrome. Chrome. I still use Opera. I still use Safari from time to time. Um, I
1: am what Molly Wood calls a Chrome puff.
0: But on the other hand, um, if you're still using IE6,
1: please stop. Yeah, please, please don't. Don't please, be that guy. Stop. Don't. Unless your computer literally cannot support any later version of Internet Explorer, don't be that guy. Um, Yeah, uh... That, that brings us up to speed. So, guys, if you have any suggestions for future topics that we can tackle here at Tech Stuff, well, I have some suggestions for you. Write it down and send it to us in an email and address it to techstuff at discovery.com. Or let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
1: Brought to you by the 2012 Toyota Camry.